Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host, Gabe Lezra, coming to you uh, from a very, very, very hot, actually, Washington, D.C. And I'm joined uh, on this Sunday evening to discuss everything Real Madrid by Kian Savani. Kian, how's it going? Also surprisingly hot up here in Canada at this time of year. Yeah, it's 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 a little shocking down here. Well, and it's also like heating up a little bit in Spain. Uh, big, big result over the weekend for Real Madrid. Um, keeping pace with Barcelona, who uh, second best scorer, I just wanted to mention for Barcelona, is Mr. Own Goal. So he's been really good for Barcelona. Big signing this offseason. Um, and yeah, Madrid 2, Alavés 1 um, in a very big game with Dani Ceballos grabbing the brace to win the match. Big game for big game for the for the for the youngins uh, today in, in or yesterday in Madrid or in in, in uh, Mendizorosa. You know it's it's so weird because we're recording this on a Sunday. Uh, this game happened on Saturday. I'm just not used to this kind of delayed podcast. I, I feel like we usually record the same day, so it's like I almost. That's have why. To, like, that's why just... I was like catching myself on that. I was like, oh, it was a big game today. It's like I mean yesterday. <laughs> I feel like I have to do a deep dive into my memory to actually f- remember what happened yesterday. Um, <laughs> I do know that what I do here. No, I, I do remember. Of course I do. But I, I, it's not as fresh as when we do those Sunday night post game pods. Um, right, or the like the post Champions League, which we're going to be doing this week, too. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday. No, well, that's we have to figure that out, too, because we play Tuesday this time. Oh, another one of these delayed yeah. shows. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> um, but. I guess we're, I'm sure we'll do a deep dive into this, but um, the almost like thing that to encapsulate it and and just summarize it, Real Madrid put out a pretty fun formation with you know you you had to see Ceballos and Asensio and Isco, which is um, to me I think it's it's definitely a possible trio in in the future for Spain over the next several years, and you, you got to yeah. see Isco and Ceballos reunited, you know. Some nice under twenty one link up play, especially for the first goal, and I think the Ceballos, especially the first goal, to me it kind of just summarized who he is because there was four players trying to close him down and muscle him off the ball, and they just couldn't, and they just couldn't stop him from scoring. I mean, and, he just you, yeah. Keon. One of the things that you mentioned when Madrid brought Ceballos on is that you really kind of believed in him partially because he had this attitude of. I'm going to prove myself. He had this, yeah. uh, uh, you know, this this never say die attitude, this kind of chip on his shoulder. And I felt, 
especially watching this match, he finally gets his shot and he really just grabs it. Just like we've seen a couple of these other U21 Spain stars do exactly that. Like the previous away game uh, in, in, uh, in Anoeta, uh, Mayoral had a very similar, you know, gritty, you know, you know, game where he left it all on the line. And I felt like Ceballos, this was his turn. And it's it's really exciting because hopefully this is the type of match where Zidane will see this and want to continue to call on these players just like last season with uh, Asensio. And it, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I, I can honestly say I'm, I'm just not surprised because that is kind of who Ceballos is. And, you know, he's stepped up with, in big games with Betis before. And to me, he... He was further along the development chart last season than Asensio was at his with his time in Espanol. Um, so I'm not surprised, and I and I think this is a, a really good start for him. I there were some definitely some like kind of weird defensive miscues in this game, especially like transition defense wasn't great. Um, I don't know if it's a thing that we just kind of played ourselves into against small teams, but yeah. Um, well, I wanted to get in a little bit to the defensive problems, and I know that we have some questions that we'll we'll, we'll jump into later. But it, it it does seem very notable to me earlier early in this season that it, it it does feel like Real Madrid's big issue this year. Like, yeah, sure, we can talk all we want about the goals, but really, you know, the the defense hasn't played up to you know quite the level that 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 one would want out of these first few matches and it's, and, and at the, to the level that we expect them to play. Right. So it's not just that, you know, they're allowing goals, but also that they just seem to have these kind of brain fart miscues <laughs> in these matches where you don't really expect someone with a veteran presence like Ramos to, to do that. Yeah. It, uh, there's a, there's a variety of things that contribute to this problem and I think it's it's not so clear cut to pinpoint it on one single thing against Betis for example um, against a team that hadn't hadn't really found their groove up until that point in the season um, Sergio Leon didn't didn't play that game Joaquin didn't start uh, Guardado didn't start and just from someone who's watched them constantly this season, Guardado is really the only guy who can provide that mm-hmm. incisive pass and create some plays in the final third. And without them, Real Madrid really had no excuses to concede chances, but they did, and it wasn't necessarily yeah. because Betis pinned them or overthrew them or 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 was really pressuring them. It's just mis miscues, giveaways, um, giving mental, the ball away in mistakes, key areas. Right? Yeah, mental mistakes, and um, and then in the end, of course, it was just down to pushing too many players forward. Um, so these are the most preventable goals, in my opinion. You know, yeah. So it's not like we have MSN pressuring us and playing the ball in around the box. It's it's not that kind of things that it's not those kinds of goals that are being scored against us. Um, I guess the first goal conceded, well, sorry, the only goal conceded against Alaves was. Uh, it it all started with Lucas Vasquez kind of overplaying the ball when a simple simplified pass would have would have been just fine um which and that is kind of like an underlying theme you know keeping the ball too long and not passing to to players who are in right. good areas so that that's almost like a story on its own so then that happens and then um i think it was nacho who gets beat on the flank and then varan and casemiro neither of them get there but it should have been varan really 
to mark that space near post and then they concede. And again, it's just these preventable miscues, mental lapses. We know Barana is fantastic. Nacho had a great game, by the way. I thought I thought he was fantastic. Um both yeah, like and, offensively, defensively, apart from that one, you know, just not being able to close that thing, Burgi's cross. But he put Burgi in his back pocket, and Burgi is essentially like 90% of Alavaz's offense this season. Yeah, and it, it, what what really sticks out to me about all of this is that you can have a good game while still having these mental lapses. The problem is that not, so not only are Madrid uh, having these mental lapses that they don't you know, really have, when, when Madrid is playing at their absolute best, this is not... These are these are not the types of mistakes that they're making, right? But uh, so they're not they're, the defense isn't executing t- totally well, and at the same time, so at the same time as as Madrid's offense isn't executing, isn't finish finding that finishing finishing move. The, the opponents actually have been like, if you look at the match against Betis or against uh, now and against Alaves, like they're like. You know, the total expected goals here are very low, but they they end up you know putting yeah. one by Madrid, right? Yeah. So, it, it, they're converting chances that arguably uh, they shouldn't be convert. I'm not saying they shouldn't be, but like they you know well that they shouldn't be like that or that they the odds are against them converting. And so there's this com- combination of Madrid making these defensive lapses and having the other team clinically finish them off. And you know it's bad luck, but it's also like. If this is the way it's going to go at the beginning of the season, you can't make those defensive lapses. And the the mentally the mindset on some level has to has to change if Madrid is going to stay in this title race, right? Like it can't be that these matches are matches where you can kind of play around and not be dialed in if you're one of the center backs or one of the one of the wing backs, right? Like you can't kind of if you're Nacho not you know, give your 100% down the wing, or if you're about on, like, not totally, you know, not, you know, click in fast enough to to realize you have to cover that near post. I, it, it's it's an interesting problem because it feels like Zidane has historically done a very good job of clicking this team in mentally when they need to. The problem is that right now they need to a little bit earlier in the season than the previous years. Well, you you tweeted this. I don't know if you tweeted it after the Alaves game or the Betis game. I can't remember, but... Uh, you were talking about basically the amount of times Real Madrid have hit the post and all of these these incredible saves, and essentially it's those inches away from blowing out teams as opposed to drawing them or sl- or just narrowly winning. Um, and those are the margins of errors we're talking about. It's so fine, right? Um, and no, it's it's yeah. true. And and this isn't the first big team to have this type of issue. So like a couple of years ago when. Even I think it may have even been last year actually uh, when Juve was really struggling at the beginning of the season. Uh, yeah, I think it may have or even two years doesn't really matter. One year Juve started off the season with a very similar beginning record to Madrid, and everyone was saying, "Oh no, Juve's in crisis." Except for a couple of like some of the advanced stat guys who were saying, "Actually, like Juve has been extremely unlucky. Their expected goals are like three to one." Uh, you know. They're doing really well, and then by the end of the season, Juve was doing, you know, had a great year. Um, I just think that, so I think that's very possibly what's going on right now with Madrid. I also think that the problem is that in the Spanish league, the margins are a little bit tighter than they are in Juve's Italian league, which is like, you know, maybe not this year, but like a couple years ago when Juve had that slow start. Who was really going to beat them that year? Like, <laughs> and in this in this league, right? Madrid has a slow start. 
even though they're a little bit unlucky, you know, even though they're not actually a bad team. And and I don't even think I haven't seen a single Real Madrid commentator commentator or anyone who really watches these matches say there's some unfixable or major issue with this squad, right? But the problem is that Barcelona is a good enough team that it almost doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> that one would hope that it does that it doesn't matter, but it almost doesn't matter if Madrid, uh, you know, the the luck the luck factor, excuse me, is a huge issue here, right? I mean, last season, around this time, a bit later on in the season, even um, there was a lot of panic because Real Madrid were dropping points that they should have should have all you know wrapped up all three of them. Um, the most notable one and the kind of where it just should hit the fan was the the draw against Abar at home. Um, yeah. And then, at, you know, our argument was, you know, yeah, it should have been three points, but our argument essentially to kind of try to keep things to perspective was, um, one, Abar, you know, ended up being eighth place that year, last it's year. It's not a bad team. Not a bad team. Yeah. But but also, the league as a whole was was really good. Um, the the it was a bit more. There was a bit more parity. Barcelona and Atletico were both dropping points. Um, Barcelona dropping points against Alaves. They eventually dropped points against Celta, Malaga, uh, Betis, and, and a bunch I will of also others. note that Kian Barca will drop points. Like people yeah. are being a little bit, you know, intense about this, but it, it, Barcelona is going to drop points. They, you know, they <laughs> they've gotten a lot of love um, and they've gotten a little bit lucky. Uh, I, I just they're not going to keep this up all year. So people like just understand that. Well, before this season started, like people really weren't sure if the league was going to be as strong because Barcelona's slightly weakened. Um, Atletico, you know, probably look like they'll be even stronger in January, but you know, Sevilla had lost a lot of key people. Um, But then, you know, Sevilla, even though they dropped off, they're they're still really good. They got some good places. And then you got Valencia just rising from the ashes. Yeah. It's the first time they've looked legit in a long time. And the three shit teams who went down, um, excuse me, sorry, you know, with all due respect, the three teams that replaced them are really good. Um, Much better, yeah. Like, you know, Getafe just mind-blowing beating Well, Girona is not a bad team, actually. If you watch that match against Barcelona, Girona was extremely hard done by... Uh, in terms of in terms of simply again the luck factor, like they scored twice against themselves, and you know that's the kind of thing that'll that'll the sink a sink a lower t- side against Barcelona. But actually, they played Barcelona pretty tightly, and so it's not a they're not a joke, you know, among these these newly risen sides. No, uh, and you know we they they got a great result against Atletico too, and um, I guess the point is that the league is very good. There's no question. I I also think. Again, this is this is not really about excusing performances or or um, saying that we should we shouldn't have dropped points. Like we obviously shouldn't have dropped points against Betis and and Levante. So there's no question. I'm not I'm not disputing that. But I'm just saying the league is really good, and I do think that the f- form which was truly blitzing and incredible against Man U, against Barca, Atletico, Juve, Napoli. Bayern, um, that is still fresh in our minds. So we really expect an an otherworldly level of football at this point, which may or may not be sustainable throughout every game throughout the course of the season. And 
judging by last season, if you show up not, when it right. matters, you know, that's what we're basically banking on at this point. Exactly. Exactly. And that's an important that's an important difference, right? Like we the one of the things that last season proved is that this scene, this team, as long as they get the points when, you know, uh, you can play badly and still get the points and that's really all that matters and and you know even even when you know you're you're not quite there i mean i don't know i don't want to keep harping on this right Keanu? we talked about this a little bit last week we keep talking about this but the truth is like this team didn't deserve like it's not to deserve again it's not I, when i say deserve i don't mean like some sort of cosmic sense i just mean literally like if you look at the stats like this team does not this is not the the outside of purely goal scored and results. This is not this like the the outside stats, like the 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 extraneous stats of a team that is in crisis. Like this is a team that's shooting tons on goal, that's hit the post all these times, that creates all these expected goals, and then just simply hasn't converted them. Like Bale hit. It wasn't just the outside of the post. He hit the inside of the post against Betis. Like. You know that's yeah. it's not that's not a game of like even a foot that's a game of like three inches like and that that falls three inches in like that goes in right so and the dominoes of those few inches are are crazy because that puts Real Madrid ahead. Betis had to push up. Um, all of a sudden, you're not you're not sending eighteen players in the box and leaving one defender defending exactly. Um, then you probably get another instead of conceding a goal. So exactly, all, you know. It's crazy how much a couple of inches affects the whole entire game. Yeah, and or or if the Cristiano just you know that ball doesn't pop up on him at the at the last second and you know hit off of his ankle and fly over or whatever, right? In like yeah. the same game. Anyways, it doesn't matter. That's not you know it's it's I think that <laughs> it is time. It's still time to to tell everyone to to chill and understand that this team is better than you think it is yeah and um you mentioned ronaldo and i th- I think i just it's just to quickly mention he was probably better than people what people gave him credit for um against alaves and and Citric was one of our fantastic writers on management and he usually does the tactical reviews he wrote a really nice uh, segment of his of his article t- that went up today um, yeah, I agree. This is really yeah. something everyone should check this out. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. And, and he really outlined the importance of Ronaldo in a game where even though he didn't score a goal, how important he was. And um, I think it's I think it's it's really important for everyone to go read that because I think he did a phenomenal job with it. But um, he was responsible for a large chunk of the opportunities Real Madrid created and the expected goals. And um, he had the lovely flick with Asensio to the for the opening goal and even if he doesn't score the amount of attention he gets the his ability to suck in defenders and and create space for others like that stuff that stuff is real by the way that stuff is you know it makes a difference um and it wasn't it's and again we don't worry about ronaldo because it's ronaldo and every time anyone brings up you know things that they're worried about uh we we worry when he's completely invisible and not involved and that hasn't right. happened yet. And the day that happens, you can get worried. But that still hasn't happened. And it wasn't that long ago against Apoel and Barca um, where he just... I mean, he's hungry. He's hungry. You just yeah. watch him. Like, you just watch him. This is not the Ronaldo that is checked out, that doesn't, 
give a shit about what happens. This is the Ronaldo that's very invested. And one of the like one of the things that I saw was some commentators complain, like, not even complaining. It's just there's kind of a narrative that that people people that don't I, it feels like people that don't like to you know don't like Ronaldo or don't watch Real Madrid that much like to push about Ronaldo being extremely kind of self centered and. That was what was going on during this match where, like, there was people pushing this narrative that Ronaldo didn't celebrate with Ceballos. And that's just – first of all, it wasn't true. Like, he was extremely – it seemed like he was very psyched in both goals. He ran right over and they celebrated together. But it was very fascinating and especially, you know, the second goal where, you know, there was this moment when a couple of people were like, well, wow, Ronaldo didn't even celebrate. And then, like, these images came up of him, like, like later after Ceballos had celebrated – you know, and, and running over and like he came over and patted him on the back and slapped his hands. And it's it's interesting because like my so one of my diagnoses of Ronaldo is that he really expects everyone to play up to his level. And so he can come off a little bit like a dick when people don't. But he also expects a lot of himself. And so in games, even when his team is winning, where he doesn't feel happy about the way he's played to help the team, he can come off like a little bit mopey. But it doesn't I think one of the things that people simply don't understand about him is that he's not the type of person that he doesn't want his team to win, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a nonsense. Like it's a very, very kind of shallow reading of this. It's much more like I want to play well and I expect myself to play well and also I want my team to win simultaneously. It's not a different thing, right? Like he, he wants his team to win and he wants to play a part in that, but – you know, if his team wins, he's happy. But also, like, he expects himself to play to a certain level. So when he's not playing to that level, he's not going to appear appear like as facially happy as he is when he's playing to a high level. And I think that's a totally fair psychological feeling to have, right? You know, if if you're missing all your shots in basketball, you go like two for twenty, right? If you go two for twenty and your team still wins the game, you're still going to feel like kind of like junk, <laughs> like even yeah. if your team wins. Yeah, I mean, deep down, I I think there's a lot of athletes who probably wouldn't admit it, but I think you're right. Of course, of course, it does because it affects. And he always has 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 held like yeah. You know, wears his he wears his uh, emotions on his sleeve. Maybe more than almost any athlete in my generation that yeah. I've seen. And in a way, I think you respect that even more than than kind of being yeah. political. But right, totally, yeah. totally, yeah. Uh, so I suppose that it, we can jump a little bit. I just I did want to circle back though, Kian, mm-hmm. all the way back um, I, to some other news that popped out this week. I want to give you a, a chance to take a victory lap because Real Madrid and Marcos Llorente have agreed to a contract extension. <laughs> this is truly, truly fantastic news. Um, it, <laughs> How are you celebrating? Um, I, I'm I'm gonna throw a party actually, yeah. Um, and uh, at least co- video conference me in then, because I want to be there. Hundred <laughs> percent. And um, I'm also, <laughs> I also gave you know when when he came on against Alaves and Mendizorosa gave him a standing. I was though. so glad to see that. I was it was yeah. so cool. I absolutely so awesome. j- joined in on that standing ovation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm I'm psyched. I just wanted to mention that because it's a big deal. I was a little worried about. You know his uh, mentality, but all of the every quote that I've heard from him, you know, during this is is a, a, a indicative of someone who totally understands. Like this is a this is a team that requires some patience, but that if you know, and he clearly has the cojones to believe in himself enough to understand that when he gets you know his series of shots, he's going to take it. And 
everything that I've seen from him is, has suggested that he's going to do it. So I I'm, I just wanted to uh, mention that before we jumped into our questions. It's, it's a historic day in the club. <laughs> All right, so let's jump in. Um, oh, I wanted to say mention something yeah. really quickly. I th- I thought it was really funny because because before the game started, everyone on my Twitter was like, "Oh, this is Zidane versus Zidane, son versus father," and I'm like, "Enzo doesn't play. He he's not someone who plays." Yeah, dude, I made that joke, but then anyone who knows, like, first of all, there are two things, right? Like, that's also, but isn't Enzo on loan? Uh, he was sold. I, I, oh, he was sold. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought he was on loan. I was like, well, then of course he's not going to play. <laughs> no, oh, no, no. He's 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 eligible to play, as far as I know. Um, oh. yeah, because I think it's it's sold with a buyback, which I think is different. Oh, okay, that makes more or sense. Or maybe he yeah. was just outright sold. I should be more prepared for this question, but I'm pretty sure it's not a loan. I think I think there was a buyback. I don't think that they Madrid would sell Zidane's kid without a buyback. I just got to tell you, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but yeah, okay. So, but anyone who's watched Alaves knows that Enzo doesn't play, hmm. which That's is right. pretty, I mean, like, look, yeah, it's funny. Play. I made the, I thought I still think it's a funny joke though. Um, I'm going to find the answer to this before our podcast is finished. It was surprising. I just just as a as a like a, 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 a side. I, it was funny that Enzo got sold to Alaves because he was not the player that I would have expected to move on from Castilla, but. Well, he's um, he's um he's 22. He's he's a bit he's definitely outgrown Castilla, but he just he's he's not 22. Is I think we're at this point yes. we know that he's not going to be a Real Madrid player. No, um, Luca though is the the closest I think right to to of Zidane's kids to where we, although today he made a horrible oh mistake. So but so Anyways. he is the the fact he's the third choice goalkeeper for the A team and. Um, Today he was today he was horrendous for Castilla because he had this moment where um, one of the defenders gives him a very very straightforward pass back. He Luca has no one around him. He has ample time to pick out two two players who are open for a pass, Either or just side. or just, just get rid of it, or just hoof it for a field goal out of bounds. I don't care. He holds on to it, lets the defender close him down, steal the ball from him. And then he just wrestles him to the ground, gets the red card. It was a disaster. Yeah. Um, uh, well, by the way, the answer of... is um, you're right. So it's a it's a three year contract with Alaves uh, and a buyback clause. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. For what it's worth, it did seem like from from all the preseason everything that we know is that Luca is the closest of the Zidane children to being there, but. He's not going to make it with this kind of performance. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so let's jump into our questions. Um, Joaquinho dos Santos asks us: uh, After several poor performances in defense, what do you think our tactics should be against Dortmund, a team focused on fast-paced countering? Mm-hmm. And can you foresee a Los Blancos win given the form of the two teams? So, just to answer the second question quickly, of course we can foresee a Real Madrid win. Like, if anything, I would expect you know Real Madrid. You know, to be slightly favored, if not uh, at 50-50. So, like, I, I do think Madrid is very possible to win this match. Um, but I think the more interesting question is the first one, right? Like, Madrid is, has been struggling in defense, and Dortmund has been absolutely uh, overpowering in offense this season so far. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little worried about this match, Keon. Last season, um, we were facing group Dortmund in the group stages away from home, and I remember... Um, 
We had similar concerns because the team was wasn't up, you know at its best in Dortmund or Dortmund. Yeah, it's a good point. It's around the same period in the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, and we so we went in we went in with a counterattacking scheme. Um, so I think what was important to know about Dortmund last season was that they had the Dembele and everyone was on fire offensively, and and Wagel really was just picking teams apart, and and, I, and even against us in both legs, he was. He was phenomenal with his vertical passing and just cutting cutting us open. But defensively, they played a very high line, and, and Zidane countered. And, you know, that, those are one of the games where after the game we were like, oh, wow, Zidane is not a tactical banana. Like, he, he has games <laughs> like remember, this where yeah. he really has a plan, and it works. Um, it was and ultimately I, a draw, but um, they played a pretty good game. And Varane... Well, if you remember, it was a draw to... Dis- you know, almost in spite of like everything Madrid did was very good, and 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 Dortmund kind of fluked into a goal towards the very end of the match. Yeah, and um, I do remember that Varane did a great job on just keeping yeah. Obama Yang in check. And um, it was one of those matches where he essentially outran Obama Yang a couple times to the to the point where people were. That was, I think, the first match where everyone really that wasn't a, a kind of Real Madrid diehard realized how fast Varane was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of, um, I don't, I just, I don't see us playing a, a scheme like a, the kind of as gung ho as we saw against like Betis or you know, I, I imagine we'll be way more compact in a big game against Dortmund away from home. Um, yeah, and to be honest, I kind of expect a win here because I, it's just something that Real Madrid would do is just put things behind them and. Um, deal so well with pressure on the road because they do well in those situations under yeah. Zidane. So it's a professional match. And like, this is a team that is filled with, despite the, the youth, right. It's, it's filled with, with players who really take their, their, their job seriously. And this is a, a team that doesn't get swayed easily, which is partially like annoying, right. When you're there at home, like, and they're, they're you know, not really exhibiting a different, like kind of emotional caliber, but like, this is a very professional side. I, I, I think people will be surprised by this match. Like, I think the kind of uh, wonky pick is going to be Dortmund in this match, but I actually think that that you're going to be surprised by how how well Madrid comes out. Hmm. Um, Jen asks us, uh, please talk about Ceballos and his first Real Madrid start. Strengths uh, and areas to work on. Strange goal celebration. Was that supposed to mean signing a contract with us? Was it a response to the regret slash Barca rumors? P.S. is always thank you for your... Oh, no, come on. Like, <laughs> we do this for because we love it. We love doing it. Sorry. I, I don't normally read the... I, we all really appreciate the messages of, of thanks, but I try not to read them so it doesn't seem like we're patting ourselves on our back. <laughs> uh, so Ceballos, I thought he was... I mean, look, it's hard to pick and like pick out any issues with someone who scores a brace and the winning goal. So like he was, he was great. And... This is him seizing his moment a little bit. Uh, obviously, he's not quite there uh, the way Kroos is as a defensive playmaker. Like he's not quite at the level of kind of uh, picking out the passing lanes. But I think that that's something that you have to play in the scheme and uh, and and really understand where everyone else is to get there. And he obviously hasn't played that much with Madrid. Yeah. Um... I, I would agree, obviously, that he had a good good start. Um, his strengths are, you know, things that we've mentioned multiple times before. His vision in the final third, he can see things that no one else sees, and he's very good. Particularly, like, the 
the thing that Real he's got that Chavi thing right where he where he sees this he holds it up and he sees like the play developing in front of him before everyone else does which is very awesome and I mean that's something that Real Madrid have lacked in the past few games right Um, decision making in the final third hasn't been great Um, Ceballos is one of those guys who's very unselfish in those situations and and really just absolutely loves the idea of the final pass and making that key pass and he's very good at it Um, defensively he's like you mentioned he's not like a a type of cruise like but what he what he does defensively that's really good is he's he has a relentless motor and he tracks he tracks yeah. he tracks he tracks he's very diligent he can play from deep he's not like you know i mentioned on on twitter that i really feel that Ceballos can match the efficient output that Hamas gave us off the bench last season in those mm-hmm. limited minutes um and someone said but the thing is also they're not really the same position, right? Because Ceballos can actually play deeper than Hamas and do more defensively. But right. um, someone replied and said he's not even close to Hamas' um, goal-scoring ability. And I, and, I, and I do agree that he's on the level of Hamas in terms of scoring goals, but I would disagree with the idea that he's not even close because I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. I and totally I, agree with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I felt it was ironic to say, because right after he tweeted that to me, Ceballos scored a second goal. <laughs> Um, but what I would say that, um, in terms of what he can work on, you know, it's tough for me to say, but maybe just like even, I think what, what kind of lacked also last game, but that has more of a byproduct of, of not having Modric and Kroos. It's that, again, the decision-making in the final third wasn't great. And I don't think that was down to him because I think he's one of the ones who helps, helps with that. Um, but again, defensively, he does a lot. Um, right, and just to talk, Jen's question about the goal celebration. Um, while I don't really understand what exactly it meant, but he said it was um, directed to his friend at home, who who predicted that Ceballos would score score a goal against Alaves. So he was sending some kind of message to the television to his friend. So that's what. It well, was. that. I gotta tell you, I, I'm I'm on Jen's side and, and wishing that that was about like Barca reminding everyone why he signed with this club or whatever. Yeah. But uh, and on some level, I'm just gonna go ahead and just take that. I'm just gonna. That's what I think it was about. So hey, I don't man, whatever it's, you can. It's yeah. his art, but he doesn't get to tell me how to interpret his art. <laughs> <if I'm saying. laughs> uh, Ismail asks us: um, If Zidane is not going to play Ashraf. Uh, is it not best to buy a right back in January? That's something I was wondering about. Um, I think that Zidane is very comfortable with Nacho as right back, uh, as 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 second choice right back. And I think that Ashraf is, instead of like a Danilo, who is kind of a like-for-like like sub, Ashraf, you have to think of Ashraf more as a Ceballos or a Llorente, as someone who has to like buy his way into the squad. And... Yeah, he was good in the preseason in the limited minutes that he had enough to like earn a spot on the side. But I don't think that you can just assume, you know, that that everything like that that he's just going to be Danilo now. He's 19. He was on Castilla, and he hasn't really gotten a shot yet. So like we'll see. I think that the key thing to do is wait until you know some of the later Copa games where I would imagine Zidane yeah. will keep rolling with him, and we'll eventually see him in maybe even in a Liga game and. Uh, you know, I, I, I just I, I think that it's wrong to think of him as the obvious right back replacement. That's that's Nacho. And, you know, until 
uh, you know, until Ashraf proves himself in the level that we're expecting, that that should stay that way. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. He's essentially a third choice right back um, who gets promoted to second choice right back when Nacho has to fill in for either the left back or center back. So, um, you know, it's it was a weird situation the last game, obviously, because it maybe it's just me, but it seems like anytime Marcelo gets injured, his backup gets injured too. And it's been like this since 2010. <laughs> um, so we had no Marcelo Teo, so Nacho was a left back. But if anything had happened to Carvajal, then you would have been kind of scratching your head and, and you really would have probably had to have played Ashraf. Um, at that point, yeah. At that point, yeah. Uh, great question uh, from Nate McDougall. Will we win the league? It's a uh, yes or no question, I guess. No yes. analysis required. No analysis required. Nate, uh, my so... I'm uh, unfortunately this is a yes or no question. I think it's you can't just answer this, um, or you can, but then you'd look like an idiot when it doesn't happen. But my feeling is this: like I don't think Madrid is favored right now. Mm-hmm. Is what I would say. I think that right now Barcelona is probably. I would. I. Uh, I would probably put my money on Barcelona if it was even money, um, just because this is not a fake deficit. That being said. I also am not the kind of person that would bet on it. Like, I think that Barcelona, absolutely, I can absolutely expect them to drop points to the point where it's going to come down to how Madrid plays literally against Barcelona in the in the Clásicos. Mm. Yeah. I Before the season, I had predicted for 4-4-2 in my, my yearly predictions piece that Real Madrid would win the treble, and I can't backtrack on that. Uh I have to stick to my guns, so I'm going to say yes. No, I think it's totally, still totally possible, right? Like, I just, yeah. what I'm saying is, like, the way that, like, it, taking the new information in, like, yeah. it's not, Madrid isn't fa- favored now, but I still think that at the beginning of the season, I would have made your call. I also think that it's totally, totally possible that Madrid turns this around. This isn't, this isn't 2010, where if Madrid was seven points down at this point in the season, we could write it off because Madrid and Barcelona were both winning expected to win every game that they played every single time against every team. But yeah. I, I just don't think that's where we are. This league is, st- is stronger than it was then. Yeah. Um, all right. Eric Rogers asks us, uh, uh, my question is, I would uh, like to know just how impressive Danny Ceballos looks to you guys today. And will this only open the door for him to get more minutes as our schedule gets busy? Um, and the injuries pile up. Um, he notes also that his friend is very high on him. Uh, and this is really the first time I've seen him play other than the preseason. So should we also expect these kinds of consistent performances from him uh, when his number is called? All right. Well, we've discussed the bios a lot um, yeah. today. Uh, but I will also note that, yeah, I do think you can expect this. Everything that we've seen when he gets his number called on Betis at at the U21 side and now in Madrid has suggested that this is what he's capable of bringing. Yeah, I mean the the under 21 side is kind of an interesting parallel to bring up here because he didn't start and he was he started sorry, he started on the bench and the people who were starting over him one was Denis Suarez. Um well that was the main guy um because you had Saul and Marcos Llorente as well. Uh, and when I had spoken to David Cartledge on the Churosi Tacticas podcast, who was in uh, in Poland for that tournament and around the Spanish national team camp, 
he said that Ceballos would just really wasn't even talking to Denis Suarez and he was just so pissed about it. And then he came in as a sub because I think someone got injured. I don't know if it was directly Denis Suarez. And he just killed it. He just he just absolutely just killed it and then stayed as a starter for the rest of the tournament. And that's the type of player he is. Um, he's there to prove a point. I'm not saying he's going to go and, and stop talking to Kovacic and Modric and Cruz. I don't think it's it's like that. But I, I the point is that this is the chip he has on his shoulder and it's conducive to, to him and the type of person you want to go to war with, and I, I don't, I don't see him, you know, becoming a starter at at any point this season, uh, unless it calls for a rotation or necessity. But yeah, I, I, I expect but this is to... the level that you can ex- like exactly. that you can expect when he's his number is called exactly, and it just hints at the sort of extremely in, extremely high potential that he has uh, as a player going forward. Right, he is. He no joke. He is one of the best talents to come, you know, through the Spanish youth ranks in very, very long. This is we've talked about it before, but this is the next golden generation of Spanish players since like Xavi and Iniesta, and like that's where I I really do think that that's where his potential lies is around where they were. Like he is that good, uh, and he has that potential. Now whether he realizes it is a different thing, but like I think you can expect him to absolutely battle for it and i think that the best and most important thing that you said keon is that he's the kind of guy you want to go to war with like he absolutely is he's someone who's going to leave it all on the pitch and he's going to absolutely battle for all the all the things that he does and and you know and and he wants to make zidane's life uh life tough and that's good yeah um all right essa hariri asks us um yeah the defense is worrisome what do you think about the defense? Our uh, small teams are reaching our area in two to three passes very easily, uh, and if this isn't fixed, Dortmund will punish us terribly. So I, I think we can just move past the Dortmund stuff because we already discussed that a little bit. But yeah, I think that it's important to note that I think if as as a you know someone who watches all these games as a Madrid commentator, right, Kiana, my my feeling is actually the issue in this squad has not been the attack; it's been the defense and. Mm. I think that's been borne out by the fact that, you know, in in these matches, like the attack has done if you if you just swift like change the luck a little bit in these games, the attack scores a few game a few goals almost each game. And the defense actually has been letting in and letting the other team get chances that, you know, you really don't want to see uh, you know, across the board. One thing yeah, I've written my, my last column was kind of just ripping apart the Betis game. And one thing that I had written about was the how the, the the dominoes of how your attacking scheme choice affects your defense. And I really, really question and and really I disagree with the idea that the best way to score is just flooding the box um with with players. Like so with with Real Madrid they had five five players rushing in the box um and absolutely zero zero people in transition on defense and we talked about this after the betis game so i don't want to rehash it but yeah um i question that that's the best way to score and that obviously affects your defense and i wonder is it does it make more sense to just to play for a draw not play for a draw but be a bit more pragmatic with your offensive scheme and just try break just keep knocking on the door keep knocking and just try to keep breaking it down and your worst case scenario is you you stick with a draw or 
you go with this gung-ho approach, which really isn't even more conducive to scoring, and you just completely gamble and you lose all three points. And those are the decisions that have basically had the team stuck in the mud and yeah. and, and drop and had them drop points. And I totally. And I think that Zidane really has to be really conscious of of these decisions and and how it affects the team and how it, these little points um, add up at the end of the season. Because right now it's I think seven, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, seven points we've dropped, which is a lot. Um, yeah, it's too many. It's too uh, many. But I totally agree with that. That's that's um, I mean, one of the things we learned under Mourinho, right, is that one point is better than zero, and uh, it's it's not a joke. Um. So uh, that's uh, John Fernandez is a guaranteed patron, right? I believe so. All right. So John Fernandez has a uh, question for us also. And I also wanted to shout out um, one of our non-guaranteed patrons who has very similar questions. <laughs> so John's question is, who do you miss most, Morata, James, or Pepe? Um, and Gerardo Cortez also also asked us about Morata. Do you think Real Madrid? And this is something we've actually already answered. Do you think Real Madrid? Well, actually, not exactly. Do you think Real Madrid will uh, regret selling Morata in addition to not adequately replacing him? And then he talks about the goals he scored um, and Mbappe. I um, so I mentioned that we already kind of answered it because you said that uh, you you could imagine Ceballos kind of stepping into that Hamas role. I also think that like. We've we've discussed the the Morata and second striker question a lot, and I think that one thing I would mention, Gerardo and John, is that uh, one of the reasons that Morata had so much time to play last season was that there were actually a lot of injuries, and uh, with a slightly healthier team, that he w- like that wouldn't have been something that that needs to happen. So I think one of the ways that you can replace Morata is just by having Bale have a more healthy season. And that kind of freak hamstring injury isn't going to happen every season for him. Like, you know, so yeah. uh, I would also to, to answer John's question, uh, personally, I, I'm missing Pepe a lot uh, because mm. uh, Vallejo it, has been injured this early season. And Madrid's defense has really kind of missed uh, some of the edge that Pepe would have brought. Uh, in a match like Betis, I can't imagine Pepe, if he were on the field, kind of losing it in the way that, that these guys did, just kind of losing the focus. Uh, and, and the truth is that that's true with some of the other ones. I, I, Pepe was, you know, had a really good Euro Cup. He's still a very much elite defender. I, I, uh, it kind of bums me out that Madrid didn't give him a two-year contract. Yeah, yeah I agree. I would have I I done it. But um, this question is... So I'll kind of go player by player. Yeah, I obviously miss Pepe. I think... Um, Vallejo at this point still hasn't proven he can stay on the pitch he had major injury concerns with Frankfurt when he was on the pitch he was phenomenal he was one of the best defenders in the entire Bundesliga um, he he missed a large chunk of the season especially the second half of the season and now um, you know he's we still haven't seen him because of his injuries James I miss because I, I just like him a lot I think the eye test with him and also the stats were phenomenal. He didn't play much, but he was really efficient. He came yeah. on and made an impact in the classical immediately. He could score. Um, he's an amazing passer in the final third. I think you you miss him for those reasons, but you don't really miss him because James and Asensio, or sorry, Isco and Asensio play in those positions, and they're two of the best in the world to do it. So 
And Morata, the thing with Morata that's interesting is, yeah, he scored 14 goals off the bench. Um, I personally wouldn't have sold him. Um, but I understand it's a very complicated and delicate issue, and I've written a lot about it. That it wasn't yeah. that it wasn't easy to one keep him, and it wasn't easy to two replace him with a player in that mold because he was a luxury player. Um, the seven important games to end the Champions League season: so Juve in the final, Atletico twice, uh, Bayern twice. That's five, and then Napoli twice, seven. Morata didn't start a single one of those. And to your point about him playing when he, you know, when there was injuries, but when there was no injuries, he just wouldn't play. He didn't feature in any of the big games, so I guess you don't really miss Morata in the sense of. And even Asensio was the first sub off the bench. If yeah, you look exactly. at the Champions League final, yeah. right? Like it, it was Bale and Asensio were the two people that were called on, right? Yeah, so exactly, you but miss I, him. A little, I mean, like, obviously, I totally agree, Keon. Like, just to be clear, I totally agree that I wouldn't have sold him either. I think it was it was tough. But I also think that just, just to kind of supplement what you were saying, like, you don't want to be the team that doesn't sell the players who want to be sold. And it's one of those things where when you're at the point of recruiting players like and this is in this is like kind of a 40 chess thing a little bit but you want to be able to point to people who are like they loved it here but when they were ready to move on we didn't stand in their way mm. and i think that some of the clubs that were really obnoxious to players uh, are going to have a harder time recruiting players down the line when they say well look i'm a i'm a star but and and i would love to play for you guys but I, I also understand that this isn't necessarily going to be my whole career and I'm looking for a club that is going to let me like flourish and if I want to leave that they won't put up a huge fight and be terrible with me. And well, I, I just like, for example, look at the way Liverpool handled the Coutinho thing. I, I, I can imagine like a player looking at that and saying, huh, uh, well, Madrid didn't put up a huge fight about Morata and he went to Chelsea and he still loves Madrid, but like, Look what happened with Liverpool and Coutinho. I, I think that's one thing that you have to consider when you're when you're talking about these kind of star players and and uh, moving around because the players actually do have a lot of autonomy in the in that choice of of you know if they are going to move. You know. Um, yeah, I th- I think you miss Morata from the not so much in the perspective of what he brought to the table in big games last season. And don't get me wrong. Historically, Morata is a big game player, so I'm not labeling him as someone who can't step up. In right, big right, games. right. I'm actually, I feel the opposite about him. I think he's phenomenal. I think he absolutely can step up in big games. I think I'm, I'm just going based on Real Madrid didn't use him once in the important, crucial games last season, especially in Europe. Um, and like you mentioned, the second choice striker was actually pushing Ronaldo up top and bringing in Asensio in, right? So, um, but I think you miss him. Because he scored 14 goals, and like James, and like Asensio, and like Kovacic, and so many others in the team, they brought relief and rest to the key yeah. players so that they were able to perform in those big European nights. Um, and that was really huge, and that was a huge luxury that we just don't have this season. And I don't know, I, the, the devil's advocate is this is would have been, okay, well, why not, if you want to keep Morata happy... And you can if he stays, then why not just sell Benzema and, and start Morata? And I guess the answer to that is um, because Ronaldo has a say. 
<laughs> Ronaldo, Ronaldo has been very vocal about who he likes to play with. He's in love with um, he Andre Silva. With... He is in love with Karim Benzema. And there's Mc... only the only reason Madrid tried to sign Andre Silva is because Ronaldo wanted him. Like it's so clear. Yeah. Like and it was an absolute fucking blessing. <laughs> they missed out on him last season. Like and he went to Barca. And the funny thing is that he's been giving all this shit while he's played at Barca. But actually, like he hasn't been that bad. And like they, he's kind of been the kind of the scapegoat for that shitty year they had. But you know, I I do think that he would have just been another. I mean, like, it's obvious he would have been just another mouth defeat in this incredibly packed midfield. But that being said, Madrid should give Ronaldo a say. Like, it's kind of important to have the best player, you know, arguably uh, in the modern history of the club, happy. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And then the other person who who has a say, who, by the way, knows a thing or two about football yeah. is Zidane, right? Yeah. The, the two people who aren't Florentino Perez, right, who have a say... That arguably the most important say in this entire thing are two people that adore playing, either adore playing with Benzema or love having Benzema on the pitch. And you have to ask yourself, like, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing if you are one of these Benzema haters? <laughs> because you you have to understand that you're on the opposite side of Zidane and Ronaldo, two people who play with him and see what he does every day. So maybe maybe like think a little bit about why they would like having him there. It's not like Zidane wants to lose these matches, to be clear. Oh God! I can already, I can already see the narratives after this podcast. <laughs> Keon and Gabe sucking Ronaldo's ass. <laughs> Benzema lover, fanboy, Morata hater. Dude, we actually had a question uh, from someone who actually it was a very funny question. I thought because it was like you couldn't tell if the dude was talking about Benzema or Zidane, <laughs> uh, and and uh, it was it was very funny. It was um uh, yeah. <laughs> What the hell is the thinking behind offering that touchless, brainless, controlless French lump a new contract? And of course, like, <laughs> obviously the dude is talking about Benzema, but like, I get it. But like, at the same time, the first time I read it, I was like, wait, why are you attacking Zidane? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like, there's like, this anti-Benzema thing is real. Um, and that's... I mean, like, think about it. Like, why are you on the... Like, think about why they might want to play with him. Um, like, Zidane doesn't want this team to lose, and he wants Benzema. And it's pretty clear that he... Like, Florentino Perez, if... It, here's here's another thing I want to mention, Keon, because if Flor, if, if Benzema... Or if, uh, if Zidane had just said, Florentino, I don't really care which one of these two to keep, I bet you anything Florentino sells Benzema and not, not Morata, right? Hmm. Like if if Zidane said I'm I'm agnostic if we have to sell one I'm agnostic of the two, Florentino probably sells Benzema for for my money just because Morata is younger in Spanish and mm-hmm. a Canterano right and if but the only reason that like you would keep like if that was the question the only reason that you keep both like keep Benzema and Morata is if Zidane said and and Ronaldo said hey like we like this guy keep this guy, uh, we also like him so please keep him too. But if it comes down to this like choice between these two, we like this guy more. I mean, if I'm speculating, right, obviously. Well, I, I, I just, I just can't say whether you'd be right or wrong. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I kind of would have felt the opposite, but yeah. But just because uh, Flo signed Karim, um, and looks at him like a son almost. I think he lo- he really loves him. 
So, but I, I don't know. But you, you could be. You know what? That's that, that that's that's a totally fair under like interpretation too. I may be totally off base on that. I'll tell um, you what. I, like, if it were up to me, um, which thank God the club isn't, because I think it might yeah, be in shambles geez. by now. But if it were up to me, I would have, I would have sold Benzema and kept Morata. Um, but he still wouldn't have started under me because I think I would have. My my plan <laughs> would have been <laughs> my plan would have been to put Ronaldo up top and pack the midfield with Asensio and Bale. Yep, yep, that's the same and I don't thing. know if my, and I don't know if Morata would have agreed with that. Exactly. Um. So that's it. That's the end of the show for today. Sorry if we didn't. If if you're a patron, we didn't answer your question. Uh, the thing is, we are really sticking to that five dollar guaranteed patron thing. So if if you want your sh- uh, question answered. Uh, make sure to toss us five bucks. It's not that different from one, like, come on. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to do our best to try to answer everyone's question. But, like, we're we're getting more and more questions. So uh, the $1 buys you access to the patron-only pod. You're still going to listen to that. And we're going to do our best to answer your questions, but we can't guarantee it. Um, so that's yeah that's i just wanted to uh, uh make sure that everyone understood that um because i know i got some got some hate on the last one for not answering everyone's question uh anything to plug Ken? um oh it's uh sunday and it's, so that means sam sharp has his castilla recap up and uh absolutely everyone that should be required reading man that shit's yeah. awesome it's so much fun to read sam is genuinely extremely passionate about Castilla um maybe even more so than the A team and it's incredible because every the man hates Santi Solari's yeah. coaching too it's so much yeah. fun <laughs> so he goes into a deep dive about what everything that's wrong with Castilla because they're in a mess this season they've been in a mess for a while but this season in particular they've just kind of hit rock bottom and Sam well, really went to town on Solari Hope that is that Guti eventually takes over because it seems like he's a much better coach. Um, let's see. Uh, one thing I wanted to plug before we head off: mm-hmm. um, please continue to tweet at Joel Embiid. I do oh, yeah. think he. I, I really want him to like hear us. Like we're gonna retweet you from the Managing Madrid account. Just like do it because I really like, dude. I I really think that Joel Embiid would be an awesome person to talk to Real Madrid about. He's a huge Real Madrid fan. He's also super awesome. I uh, I think it'd be awesome to get him on the show. So tweet him at Joel Embiid, uh, E-M-B-I-I-D, uh, Joel, come on, M-M. So that's what you should do. <laughs> that's, my, that's my only thing that I want to plug other than like read everyone's stuff, read Sam, follow at RM Castillo Stats. Uh, he's a great account to follow, too, um, if you want to get to know the Academy a little bit better. He mm. is one of the first people that I you know, I found uh, back in the day when I was trying to, to understand the, the deeper workings of Madrid's Academy. It's a great account. Um, all right, Kian, we'll, uh, we'll be back to talk post-Dortmund game on Wednesday, I guess, because uh, we played Dortmund on Tuesday. Uh, and we'll, we'll recap the Champions League in our patron-only podcast. Uh, if you want to get your question again, answered every time, toss it five bucks. If not, um, we'll take it. So, all right, until Wednesday, Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. 
Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.